1: Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, featured columnist at CLNS Radio and executive producer of the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the web, Celtics Beat. And now, author. That's right, author. My debut book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, How Bad Luck, Bad Decisions Brought the Mighty Celtics Empire to its Knees and Ushered in the Dark Ages, has already been called the definitive account of the infamous Doldrum Period in Celtics history. You think the Celtics are struggling now? Well, you've got quite a short memory. Get the inside story from executives, general managers, staffs, players, media, fans, you name it, as I take you through a time in which how the Boston Celtics fell from the shining city on the hill and became entrenched in purgatory. And you'll see why. That's follow the Boston Celtics, available on clnsradio.com on January 5th. And you can't wait for the release? Well, tweet the hashtag follow the Boston Celtics to me at CLNS underscore LHR. That's hashtag follow the Boston Celtics at CLNS underscore LHR. And we'll pick one lucky follower and hand out a free copy on the January 5th episode of Celtics Beat. And now, on to your regularly scheduled programming.
0: Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, Lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting Lynda.com slash CLNS, you'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on Lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iphone and android mobile devices as well as access to new courses added every week some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include analyzing your website to improve seo viral marketing uh, and web analytics fundamentals do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash clns go ahead i challenge you to learn something new in 2015. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions.
2: Welcome to Red Sox Beat. Powered by CLNS Radio. Another week of Red Sox talk. I'm Jess Thomas. He's Nate Rollins. You can find us on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jess saying for me and at baseball Rollins for Nate. So you can find all of our CLNS Radio information on CLNSRadio.com. You can find us on Twitter at www.clnsradio.com Twitter. And on Facebook at www.clnsradio.com slash Facebook. And you can also take our survey at clnsradio.com slash survey. So there's your, there's your social media business out of the way. Make sure to listen to all the CLNS Radio podcasts. There's a bunch of good ones. And continue to listen to us. So what we're going to start with today, Nate, is, of course, the most hot topic of the week, the Hall of Fame voting it is in. It is all set. Our four Hall of Famers for this year are Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, and Craig Biggio. Tell me your thoughts on these guys.
3: Um, obviously, Pedro and Randy Johnson go without saying. You know, these are two arguably the best pit. Uh, two of the best pitchers ever to play baseball, you know, both low two ERAs, you know, they're just absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, one of the best right-handed and arguably the best left-handed pitcher to ever play. Um, uh, a spot of emphasis I would like to touch on those Smoltz and uh, Schilling, and um, you know, Smoltz, I'd just like to run some stats across you. Uh, Smoltz is 213 and 155 with a 3.33 ERA. In his career, he does have the 150 so saves, but his uh, postseason uh, records: 15 and 4 with a 2.67 ERA, and he got 83% of the vote. Now Schilling, on the other hand, he went 216, which is more wins than Smoltz, 146 losses, which is less than Smoltz, a 3.46 ERA, and he went 11 and 2 with a 2.23 ERA in the postseason, which is also less than Smoltz. Um, And Schilling only received 39% of the vote. I I don't understand, and maybe you can help me out with this one, why the big discrepancy of about 50% between the two. I'm not understanding this.
2: Well, I think the biggest thing is that that Smoltz had 150 saves as well. I think that's the biggest difference, because obviously Schilling didn't. He had 22 saves. That's actually a lot more than I thought he would have. But... I think that's the biggest difference is just the saves. I don't think it's a big enough difference to give him eighty two point nine percent of the vote instead of thirty nine point two. I think that's a little a little ridiculous. I see what you mean there, but I think overall just just the saves and well, what Kurt Schilling said, Kurt's a Republican, right? It has to be that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, uh, I thing I think these guys have to look for is because I, uh, you know, uh, you know, Schilling was a big main factor in that '04 World Series run, and I think um, you know something that should go into the minds of the baseball uh, BBWA when they are voting is you know what has this guy done for his ball club, and you know Schilling essentially you know started bringing back baseball in Boston to, you know, the, the level of expectations to World Series. And, uh, you know, that uh, obviously being a Red Sox fan, you know, I'm going to uh, – of course I want him to get some more votes. But, um you know, I don't think that get, uh, gets looked at enough. But, um you know, it was certainly about a 50-49% difference between the two. You know, I just couldn't wrap my fingers around that one.
2: Yeah, it's definitely strange. It is it is funny, though, how how Kurt – made those comments because I want to say what he I want to read what he said first but then it's funny because he he kind of took it back so the first thing he said was the fact that the Braves won 14 straight pennants I think his Swiss army knife versatility which is what somebody said yesterday I think he got a whole lot of a lot of accolades for that I think he's got a lot of recognition for that he's a Hall of famer the other big thing is I think he's a Democrat I know there's a Republican that there's some people that really don't like that so supposedly he was kidding he said later on, uh, listen to the interview, then shut your pie hole. It was said in jest, you dink, to somebody. So he claims that that wasn't serious, but the problem with Kurt Schilling is he just talks without thinking all the time, and people are going to take what you say seriously, and they obviously took this seriously, and people don't like him as a result of how much he talks, whether he's a Republican or not. It doesn't matter. People don't like people who just... Talk nonstop and then take stuff back. So I do think his personality has probably cost him some votes, but there's no question that his his play should make him in the Hall of Fame. Because, like you said, eleven and two in the postseason always brought his big games at the biggest moments, and that's that's huge, which you can't really look past. But they did.
3: Yeah, you, you make a good point. You know, there some of these uh, voters can't put attitudes aside, and you you know that's really uh, disappointing. I mean, this is this guy's a three-time World Series champion, so you know nobody will ever take that away from him. So you know, he, I I think he will get into the hall eventually. Obviously, he stuck around in the ballot, but um, you know, I was disappointed.
2: Yeah, I can see why he would be. It's as a Red Sox fan, being part of the team that made that. 2004 World Series. It's obviously a special place in our hearts, but he'll have to wait some more yeah. time and see if he makes it. So we'll, he
3: will have to wait.
2: We'll see. But let's talk about Pedro because he is <laughs> he is in the Hall of Fame, big time, and he had an unbelievable career at the Red Sox. He got 500 of the 549 votes, which is funny because he would expect it to be more. But he said that he would just like to have the minimum. He didn't he didn't care at all that that he didn't get all of the votes, and he didn't get more than Randy Johnson. So he doesn't care about that, but he is in the Hall of Fame big time with 91% of the vote and obviously well-deserved. What, what do you What do you think about Pedro?
3: Oh yeah, uh, Pedro, uh, for you of course he was well-deserved. You know, I'd like to find out who didn't vote for them. Well, I know, I actually know one of the reporters' names, but um, you know, what was going through their mind not to vote for Pedro? I mean, this is an eight-time All-Star, won a World Series in 2004, you know, three-time Cy Young Award winner, you know, triple crown, All-Star Game MVP, AL wins champion, ERA champion, I think it was something five times. You know, he won the strikeout champion of uh, the AL, you know, three times. You know, this guy was feared when he went out to the mound. There was no batter in the game who wanted to come up and play this guy. You know, yeah, yeah the Yankees and whatnot, they had good success against him. But, you know, Pedro, in my mind, is if top five right-handed pitcher ever to play in baseball. And, you know, he deserved uh, to be a first ballot.
2: Absolutely. And that, that's the thing. I mean, what you can't overlook was his 90, 99, Sorry, 97 to 99, and I was young for that, and you were, you were way young for that, so obviously we, we don't remember it too clearly. I, I mean, I started watching baseball in about 2000, 2001, so I kind of missed that, but I've obviously seen plenty of highlights and read plenty about it, and it was one of the best three-year stretches ever because he was just so dominant with all kinds of strikeouts, an unbelievable record, and amazing ERA at what we found out was the height of the steroid era, which makes it all the more impressive if you weren't satisfied with it before. There's no way not to be after after seeing when he did it. And then just pitching well for the next couple of years and then winning the World Series with the Red Sox. I mean, that's Hall of Fame worthy right there as it is, not even talking about the other 11 years of his career. So there's just no question about it. He's just He's a great pitcher. He had a chip on his shoulder. He was a short guy with a power arm, and he just wanted to win every single game he pitched.
3: Yep, nobody more deserving than Pedro.
2: Exactly. Except maybe Randy Johnson, because he got more votes. Oh, <laughs> uh, we really. could argue that. <laughs> well, no, it's, but let's talk a little about Randy, because he did get the most votes. He got 534 for 97.3%, and he had a heck of a career. He had 303 wins, uh, 329 ERA, and 4,875 strikeouts, compared to Pedro's 3,154 so Randy was a strikeout man so he had an unbelievable career and he was just such a presence being being 6 foot 10 and being one of the tallest pitchers ever and he just was a scary pitcher nobody wants to face him because he was just so dominant what do you think about him?
3: Oh yeah, this guy was an ugly guy, you know, when you went out when you went out to bat against him, you know, you were scared, you know. He obviously had that incident uh during the game where he hit a bird, you know, killed the bird, you know. He's got some incidents uh to his credit, but um, you know, this is a ten time all star, five uh time Cy Young award. I'll just rattle him off. Four time ERA champion, nine time strikeout champion. He's got a perfect game, no hitter under his belt, you know. He was uh he was a real good left handed pitcher. I think he came close to five thousand strikeouts in his career. And, you know, that's impressive. Um, Randy Johnson, in my mind, uh, I think he will go in and with the Diamondbacks hat. Hopefully not a Yankees hat, but, um, you know, one of the best left-handed pitches of his time, and if not ever.
2: Yeah, it's also possible like, he could go in with the Mariners. I mean, he pitched nine years with the Mariners, too. So, I mean, he was great with everybody he was with was the bottom line. like The stats you said, five times Cy Young, nine times strikeout champion. This guy was so dominant and, only one World Series championship, but when you at least have one World Series and you have the kind of prestigious numbers he, he had, there's just there's no question that that you would be in the Hall of Fame. And he's second all the time in strikeouts behind Nolan Ryan, so it's like he is. <laughs> when people think of dominant pitchers, they're gonna think they're gonna think he's right up there with them. So he had a long career. He pitched 21 years. So I mean, he's just. He kind of done it all. I can't believe he's 51 years old already. He probably looks even more scary and ugly now.
0: But,
2: <laughs> but he's a great pitcher. He just he, he exemplifies the Hall of Fame just like Pedro does. So No surprise there that they were the top two and first ballot Hall of Famers because there's no reason they shouldn't be. And then we talked a little about Smoltz already. And then the other one was Craig Biggio. This was his third time in the ballot. He got 82.7% of the vote after just missing it by... Like .1% last year So no surprise that he got it this year He had over 3,000 hits Almost 300 home runs And he had over 400 steals He was a really good player Consistent, solid just Just really good numbers I think he was deserving
3: you know, I go with a different tune on uh, Biggio, you know. When I watch baseball and I watch Biggio Bizio play, when he got up to bat or when he took the field, you know, I never thought I'd look at him and say, you know, I'm looking at a Hall of Famer, you know. To me, he never really put himself over the top, you know. He was never really that guy that you'd fear in the middle of the order. You know, he had a few good years where he had above 30 and uh 30 home runs. No, excuse me, 20 home runs. But... um you know he was a career 281 hitter you know he stuck around for 20 years it took him 20 years to get that 3000 hits you know um as his career went on you know his average dip from 281 to 264 to 246 to 254 actually 251 and I look at this guy and I'm like you know there was really nothing to me that made him you know jump out on paper and like this guy's a Hall of Famer you know obviously the 3,000 hits work for him but you know that career 281 hitter and you know it took him 20 years to get 3,000 hits I don't know as a fact that I, w- I consider him a Hall of Famer, you know. I-, I just don't.
2: Well, I can see why you think that, because it did take him quite a while to get all those hits. But I think when they're thinking of Hall of Fame candidates, they think of longevity, first of all. And then second of all, the fact that he played his entire career with one team, Houston Astros, is also quite impressive and doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. But then you look I mean, look further into his numbers. Yeah, he did take a long time to get his, his hits, and he did his average did go down at the end, but... He was a seven-time All-Star. He did win four gold gloves and five silver Sluggers. So he was good defensively. He was good offensively. He played a long time, and he got a lot of hits. I think all those things combined kind of just pushed him over the edge.
3: Yeah, you know, but his 162-game average, and I'll read you this: He's uh, in 10260 games a year. He averaged a 281 average, 17 home runs, and 64 RBIs with 24 steals and seven uh, times he was caught stealing. I look at that and I go, you know, that's mediocre stats. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, like I said earlier, I just don't think this guy's a sure bet Hall of Famer like everyone else. Everyone else thinks.
2: I mean, I can totally see. I can totally see your argument, no question about that, and it's not like he was the first first ballot hall of famer, he took him a couple times, and he got 7% more than he needed, so it's not like it was like 95% guarantee, no question, which it shouldn't be, because like you said, he's not that good, but I think when you're looking at who he was facing, and just all the steroid era guys and everything, I think that all went to his benefit. So I think it was just kind of a perfect storm of everything at the right time with and doing just enough to get it. So I see why he get it why he got it. I could see why he wouldn't get it. I see both of our arguments, but nothing we can do about it now. It's it's official, so I I can definitely see both sides, but it makes sense to me at least.
3: Yeah, we'll agree to disagree on this one. <laughs>
2: That's fine. I mean I kind of agree with you but it's <laughs> it's Don't worry I'll, about I'll, it. I'll keep my part of disagreement just for, for the sake. <laughs> sake of argument. <laughs> um, so those are your Hall of Famers, um, yeah, guys who didn't make it, guys who were close were Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, Kurt Schilling like we talked about, then you get some of the steroids with Clemens and Bonds and then you got Lee Smith who's been on it for a long time, Edgar Martinez, Alan Trammell who's also been on it for a while, so there's lots of guys who, who were possibilities but most of these guys didn't even get above 40%, so not, not a whole lot of chance there. What, what do you think about Piazza and Bagwell?
3: Um, you know, Piazza, in my opinion, uh, good, keep him off the ballot. I still, um, you know, he was in the heart of the steroid era. You know, he's not to the same extent that Barry Bonds is, and I'll, we'll touch on him a little bit later. But um, you know, Piazza is iffy. You know, he was a good catcher defensively. You know, he had some pop to his bat. I do think eventually he will get in. And on Bagwell's um. You know, Bagwell was a pretty good hitter, obviously steroids, question mark, with him as well. But, um, you know, this guy averaged, uh, I think it is 34 home runs a year in 115 RBIs. You know, those are some good numbers. And, uh, you know, along the lines, if you're going to put Biggio in, I'd put Bagwell in as well because those Houston lineups uh, of the the, um, early 2000s, Bagwell, in my opinion, was arguably a better hitter than Biggio.
2: Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. That they were they were quite the tandem. I agree. I think that I think that Piazza and Bagwell will both get in eventually. I mean, as long as they're not like 100% like guaranteed they did steroids because there hasn't been any proof yet. Even though people are suspicious, I say as long as there's no as there's no uh, 100% proof. And I mean, look at their numbers. They got good numbers, and they were they were closer than anybody else with 69.9% and 55.7. So I think Piazza will definitely get it at some point. Bagwell should get it. I mean we'll we'll see what happens. He's been in the ballot for five years, so it's kind of been a while, but they should get in based on their numbers. I mean they were they were very good players at at a time where yeah, a lot of a lot of guys were juicing. Like Piazza had was a twelve time all star. So I think I think definitely gotta put these guys in. They've over four hundred home runs each of them. So it's it's always a question mark. How many guys deserve it? Like how prestigious should the Hall of Fame be? What numbers do you exactly have to have? But i say if you have careers like those two guys had, I think you pretty much have to give them to it at some point.
3: Yeah, you do. You really do. Um, you know, they stuck around for a while. Uh, you know, those were two guys I'd look at in the lineup, and I'd say, you know, the, the hitters I don't want to face as a pitcher. So, uh, you know, that being that set aside... You gotta put them in. I, they were two one of the best catches to play and one of the best second basemen to play. So they'll get in.
2: Yeah, probably so. I want to get your opinion on Edgar Martinez. Do you think he should ever get in? Um, I do. Uh,
3: he was um, one of the best designated hitters ever. You know, he had a ton of home runs. Played on not the best team in Seattle, and you know I don't think just because the players a designated hitter should take anything away. You know if the power's there, the average are there, the RBIs are there, the hits are there, so be it. You gotta let him in. It's not his fault he had to play DH. Um, you know it was just a good lineup. He was. Uh, played with in Seattle, so uh, I'd put him in definitely, you know, when you got top-notch pitchers. Uh, I know Johnson said he didn't like uh, playing Martinez. Uh, I heard Clemens once say he didn't like to play, uh, face Edwin Martinez either, so, you know, when you've got a couple of the best pitchers ever to play, you know, come out and make statements like that, you know, that just goes to show how good that hitter actually was.
2: Yeah, it's it's not fair to just, just because you're a DH that you shouldn't get in the Hall of Fame. That's just... This is not realistic. You can be a DH and be a great player. Like David Ortiz, we have a great example right here. It's 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 not fair just because that's their skill set. If they're like some of the greatest hitters that have played, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't because it's not really fair otherwise. So, I'm definitely with you on that. I want to know for me though, man, you're you're only 17 years old. How do you know so much about baseball from like all this time when you were like 3 years old? <laughs>
3: Oh, I started watching baseball. Uh, you know, I I had a bunch of uh, clips of old games, and uh, you know, one d- I'd watch them all. You know, MLB Network they do an excellent job with uh, you know, bringing back old games of the time. You know, um, I'd watch some of them. I'd just sit there and watch them on the internet. You know, uh, funny as it sounds, some of these old games are on the internet. You know, I've read books. Uh, yeah, I just find my way around to get uh, information about them.
2: That's cool. Yeah, that's. That's pretty much what I've done just just read a lot of books research a lot of stuff because like I said I didn't I didn't start watching until I was like ten so I mean i'm I'm twenty three so I got a little a little more time to see stuff but I'm sure you started watching it before I did and so we obviously have a pretty pretty similar knowledge I'm just I'm just always impressed with <laughs> the stuff you know from the young ages you're at but that's that's where research comes in handy for sure
3: yep yes it does
2: <laughs> so one more thing on Hall of Fame stuff before we move on to other stuff. Um, I read a quote today from Tanyan Sturts of all people. He was an extremely average pitcher. He pitched for the Yankees at a certain point. I don't even know who else he pitched for because he's so... Well, he pitched for seven teams over 12 years. So, clearly a journeyman. He's 44 years old at this point. He's not even in the league at this point. But he came out with a really interesting comment recently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it here. He said, the Hall of Fame inductees were exactly what everyone thought would be this year, and all deserve it, but we need to be careful. I think this group had some guys and that definitely took something along their career to help their production. And if that's the case, we need to open it up to others who are suspected of the same. We want to be fair, but there are guys with better numbers than these inductees and are getting snubbed because of the same accusations. So basically, Tanya starts saying that, from what I understand, he's saying that one of the guys, at least one of the guys who were voted this year, took something. Is that how you understand that?
3: I do understand it that way, and, you know, I'd like to touch on that comment. You know, he can make accusations and say, you know, he doesn't know if everyone, anyone's clean and stuff like that, but I, we play and uh, we watch... MLB players playing a league right now that you don't know if anyone's clean, you know, the testing's done, uh, you know, you hope players aren't taking anything, but, you know, there's so many ways around getting around the steroid testing, and, um, you know, you've got to think players are doing it now, you know, I don't think, I don't, can't look at any player straight and uh, say, you know, that guy's not on steroids because, you know, it's just so uncertain. You really don't know. You've had some surprises with people get suspended where you're like, this guy was on steroids. This guy hit, like, two home runs ever. So, it's really <laughs> tough to say, but, you know, I, I obviously think he's saying that Bonds and Clemens should get in and, you know, that's ridiculous, you know. These are two guys who cheated the game. You know, if you cheat uh, the base, game of baseball, in my mind, you don't deserve him to be a, in to the Hall of Fame. You know, this is a Hall of Fame. Why are we putting on so, somebody on a pedestal who, you know, cheated, cheated his way to all the home runs, cheated his way to all the wins. Yes, they were still one of the best uh, hitters and pitches of their time without the steroids, but, you know, they took them, they cheated, they got in trouble, and in my opinion, they will be nothing but great players in my mind.
2: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to have guys who were proven to have – Use enhancements to to get better in the game and the Hall of Fame. It just doesn't make sense. And yeah, like you said, there there could be other guys who who have done it. But if you're not if it's not proven, I mean, even even Alex Rodriguez was so sneaky about everything he did, and he still got caught eventually. So it's like if you if it if you do it so much that it makes that much of a difference, I feel like you're probably gonna get caught at some point. And there's been no proof of any of those four guys who got in that they did any steroids. So for a guy like Tanyan Sturz who had like a pretty, extremely average career to just come out all of a sudden and and say that that these guys or some of these guys took something during their career. Like who is he to talk about anything?
3: Yeah, I don't know. You know, it was kind of a weird uh, comment. But um, like I said, you'd like to think players are clean, but I really can't look at anyone. You know, uh, Ryan Braun, Nelson Cruz, uh, Johnny Peralta. You know, Miguel. Tajada, you know Manny. You know these are just some examples of power hitting guys who were suspended for taking steroids. And you know it brings to the question. You know Welch is taking steroids. You know you you got a guy like Jose Batista, uh, Stanton. Who just come out of nowhere, you know, start to rake, you know, the allegations of steroids come to them, and you know, you know, it takes away from guys just fixing themselves in the off season, coming back better the next year, and you know, I'm I always like to defend the players until they're uh, until they're proven guilty, in my uh, my opinion.
2: Yeah, so do I. It's just I guess it's just I yeah, like Manny Ramirez and Miguel Tejada, people like that. You would never expect to do something like that, but he's just you never know. I wish there was a way. 2-0, but there really just isn't until they get, until they are proven guilty 100%, unfortunately. So, oh well, that'll wrap up our, our Hall of Fame talk. That was that was a good a good chat about the Hall of Fame. So, once again, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, Craig Biggio. Those are your four Hall of Famers this year. Three of them are first balladers, and Biggio is the third, third time. So, a nice class, a real good class, kind of no question about it, and... We'll see what happens next year. So before we move to our next segment, just want to remind you guys you're listening to Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I'm Jess Thomas. He's Nate Rollins. Our Twitters can be found. Me, it's at... at I have so much trouble with this. At CLNS underscore Jess saying, And Nate is at Baseball Rollins. So you can follow us for all kinds of sports news. And, and Nate's into multiple sports. I'm into multiple sports. So you can... Always check with us for certain things, we like to keep people informed, especially especially about our baseball stuff here. And I'm definitely big into the basketball, so make sure you make sure you follow us and keep up with our shows, and uh, make sure you keep up with all CLNS shows because CLNS is celebrating one million listeners in six years. That. That we've been podcasting about Boston sports. So you can go to www.clnsradio.com/patrons and just help Clns stay free. And you can get some some cool things like av a V-neck T-shirt and a travel mug for as little as one ninety-nine per month. You can check out all of all the work that everyone's doing at Clns Radio. We do monthly memorabilia like giveaways and have big plans for two thousand fifteen. So definitely make sure you make sure you check out the website and, and uh, help us out. And also, we just got a new mobile app, which is a big deal, and it's very easy to use. You, just, you can see all of the, the shows in a really convenient location, pick your favorite shows. And I know I use it all the time. It's, it's a, great, a great app to use, and it's, it's basically brand new. So make sure you download CLNS Radio mobile app today and keep up with all your shows.
0: Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS, You'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android mobile devices, as well as access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include analyzing your website to improve SEO, viral marketing, uh, and web analytics fundamentals. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS. Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015.
2: So that leads us into our next segment here, which is just just general baseball news. That's been going on. I definitely want to start with something I read in the paper today. Daniel Bard. Former Red Sox setup man turned failed starter, turned what the heck happened to him? He completely fell apart. He's looking to make a return into the major leagues because after he just completely fell apart, it, they found out he had thoracic out, outlet syndrome, which is a let me, let me read here it's between your lower neck and upper chest, and it's a grouping of nerves and blood vessels that they can get. Messed up in there, so he had surgery for that, and he now wants to come back. He wants to get signed to minor league team and try to work his way back in the majors after being out for a number of years. What do you what do you think about Bard?
3: Yeah, Bard's an interesting guy. Obviously wanted to turn a starter, and obviously Bobby Valentine let him turn a starter. I was completely against the move at the time. I thought this guy was the closer of the future. You know, he may have that whatever ridiculous injury you just said. But, you know, that's still no reason for his uh, 6-2 ERA in 2012, his 9 ERA in 2013. You know, this guy was just not getting it done as a starter. You know, the Red Sox should have seen and moved him back to a closer because, you know, he was – yeah, he was one of the best young, promising relievers coming up in the game. You know, it was him and Natalie Feliz at the time, two guys who could reach 100 miles an hour with ease, and, you know, neither of them really panned out. And, you know, it's sad. I wanted to see Bot around for a while, but, um, you know, why not give him a chance in a minor league deal? If he can pitch his way up, why not? Team, uh, He could really help a team.
2: Yeah, it's it's just sad what happened to him because he was just – so good, and I'm refreshing myself here. And in, in 2011, he, he set the club record for 25 consecutive scoreless innings before, I guess, Ko- Koji broke that last year. So, But he had that record at the time, and then since he became a starter, he just was terrible, and then his ERA was always high. He had so many walks, and then, then they dropped him to AAA, and then he just got worse and worse, and his ERA was up to seven in the minor leagues, and then then he went to Double uh, A to start 2013, and then just still couldn't do anything, and then finally he left the Red Sox and went to the Cubs and then went to the Rangers and tried to pitch for them. And Historically, uh, he uh, had four appearances for Texas' single-A team and had a 175-50 ERA, which comes out to 13 runs in two-thirds of an inning. Unbelievable. He didn't even go up a hit, but he had nine walks and he hit seven batters, just that was the absolute low point. He just had no idea how to pitch. So the fact that he got that surgery and now he wants to come back and thinks that he can still give something. He's only twenty nine years old, so he's got time to, to figure it out and come back. So I think it's great for if he gets a shot to to try again.
3: Yep, he should get a shot. You know, we're giving some of these Cuban guys and these Japanese guys, you know, these mega contracts. You know, it's always nice to see when you have a guy who's who struggled in the past. You know, taking a year off. You know, it's always nice to uh, have teams welcome him back into the league and you know ultimately give him that shot because you know he deserves it. Why not give him the shot?
2: Exactly, he was such a good pitcher before before everything happens. So it'd be interesting to see if he has any chance of become even if he became like. Half or three fourths of the pitcher he once was, it will still be pretty good. So I think I think it's good he's trying to come back, and we'll we'll have to see if he ends up getting a shot. So more news: um, the Red Sox have basically kind of agreed to the fact that they're not willing to give up prospects like Mookie Betts and uh, Blake Swihart for for Cole Hamels because. The Phillies just want so much for him, and they always have, and that's why they still have him at the moment. So the Sox aren't willing to give those guys up. I think that's a great a great decision. I don't think he's worth it. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it is a great decision. And when I uh, knew Lester's contract was getting up um, a few years ago, obviously before they traded him, I said, you know, we can't just let John Lester go and then go out and trade prospects for a guy like Cole Hamels because doing that, you're emptying the farm system. You're pretty much gutting the farm system. And essentially, Mookie Betts could play an important role on this team down the future, you know, injury-wise, you know, contract-wise. You know, if the Red Sox end up having to make a trade, you know, you've got to keep Mookie Betts around Mookie Betts is a one-in-a-lifetime player. I love the kid. I think he's going to be great. And I think um, including him in the deal for Hamels would uh, would just be a disappointment. Obviously, Swihart, one of the promising catching prospects in the game, maybe a first baseman when he comes up, maybe a catcher. We don't know. Another guy I'd like to keep around. Obviously, Henry Owens. Um, I wouldn't trade him for Hamels at this point. I think Henry Owens is going to be a midseason call-up, and uh, you know he could serve an important role for this team. But um, I'm still trying to get Max Scherzer on this team. Haven't uh, had much success as of late, but uh, I think Max Scherzer would fit perfect.
2: Yeah, probably better than than Hamels. It's, I mean, Hamels the lefty, that's good, but it's just he's 31 years old and giving up two 22 year olds who have bright futures ahead of them. It just doesn't make sense for a 31 year old guy that that the team's looking to ask too much for. So I think mean, they should just stay away from that. I've always thought that he's no. There's no question he's a good pitcher, but it's I don't think it's worth it. So. So keep with that Red Sox, keep keep away from him. We don't we don't want to see him here. Um taking it a little further with more uh, free agencies, James Shields still not signed. He got that mystery contract and still haven't seen a whole lot about it. Nothing seems to be happening. I think I think teams are worried about his durability because he's thrown so many innings and the fact that he's thirty three years old, I don't think people want to commit to him for for five years except for that one team. But I don't know what's happened with that, but it seems like most teams don't want him for more than three years, so what do you think is going to happen to him?
3: <laughs> yeah, I do think he will get a three- or four-year deal. Obviously, uh, you know, he wants $110 million, I think it is, for five years. Um, you know, with that low to high five ERA in the postseason, you know, I just can't give it to him. I'd love to give it to him. Uh, I obviously have said before, I don't think he's an ace. I think he would do a great job in complimenting Porcello, you know two guys I think are very similar you know very similar build, very similar stats, but um you know if you're a small market team and you want to compete again like a pit like a miami uh you know they're going to give him the money, so I think he will get uh, the money from a small market team, obviously if he's going to go to a St Louis or a um St. Louis, obviously, the Giants pulled out, but maybe the Brewers or something like that. I think they're more conservative and would give them a three-year deal.
2: Yeah, I don't think you can expect much more than three or four years because of his age and his his uh, lack of success in the playoffs. So I'll be very intrigued to see where he eventually does sign because it's been much quieter than I think a lot of people expected. And in terms of another deal, uh, it happened very recently. The A's traded for... Ben Zobrist and Yonel Escobar and got rid of John Jaso and a couple of picks. So the whole offseason, the A's have been getting rid of players, and now finally they get a couple of solid players, and, and Zobrist and Escobar, you think, it was a good move for them.
3: Yeah, I do think it was a good move for the A's. Um, you know, they're obviously trying to build a team that you know fans are gonna want to come out and see. Uh, you know, Billy Bean's not giving much money down there in Oakland, so you know, not much he can do. He's kind of go to um, you know, be creative with the money, uh, you know, and, and just try and bring these guys in on expiring contracts and low uh, low deals, and you know, put together um, you know, the most competitive team he can. Good deal for the Rays. You know, they get back a couple nice prospects. Jaso going back to Tampa can really help them at catcher in first base. Um, you know, Tampa wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. You know, they're obviously going to build that team around the pitching of Matt Moore, Cobb, uh, um, and them. So, you know, it was a good deal for both teams. And I think, uh, you know, it puts the A's back uh, in a little bit more contention and maybe for a wild card spot. But I don't see them going anywhere besides that.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think I, I saw a tweet from Evan Longoria. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I don't remember exactly what it said, but he said something about r- Ray's nation, be patient with us or something. So Clearly they're going in the, the opposite direction and getting rid of Zobrist and Escobar makes that even, even more the case because Zobrist is an all-star level player who's had a pretty consistent career. So that's that trade. So before we go into our next segment, I just want to let you guys... Uh, in on a little thing here that's that's going on with the Celtics, uh, Larry H. Russell, the Celtics beat executive producer, is now an author. He came out with a, a book last week called How Bad Luck, Bad Decisions Brought the Mighty Celtics Empire to Its Knees and Ushered in the Dark Ages. It is now officially out. You can head over to clnsradio.com and check it out. He talks. He has exclusive interviews from management players, media, and fans. He goes into the big. Dark ages between the nineteen eighty-six season and with the deaths of Len Bias and Reggie Lewis and how bad the team was there in the nineties, up until the championship of two thousand eight. So, it's it's sure to be a good read. Make sure you guys check it out. It's I've heard a lot of a lot of good good news about it. So, just want to make you guys aware of, aware of that book before we jump into our next segment here and our our final segment to take us to the last twenty minutes here. It's a little. A little game we're gonna play, and I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've got a lot of, we got a lot of people to cover here. We're gonna do a over under segment of current Red Sox players and what some certain stats for for certain players, and to see if me and Nate think that they're gonna have better than a certain number or, or worse than a certain number. So I've got I've got it all lined up here, Nate. So let's get it going. I want to start with with David Ortiz and. My first category for you is Will David Ortiz get over or under 30 home runs this season?
3: I say even. I think he hits exactly 30 home runs. You know, he's in a very good lineup, and, uh, you know, he's going to uh, be influenced by some of these guys, you know, Handler, Ramirez, Sandoval, um, Pedro. you know, puts in the work every day in and day out. They're not going to quit on this team, you know, halfway through the season if they, you know, um, if you know they're down in the standings, if they have to retool, rebuild for uh, for next year. But, um, you know, I think he's going to be right at 30.
2: That's fair enough. I'm going to pick... 27. I think he's going to have a little bit under it. He is 39 years old. I don't think he's going to drop off much, but since the the Red Sox have a pretty decent amount of solid hitters, I think he won't feel as much need to hit so many home runs, but he'll still do his thing and, and get close to 30, so I'm going with 27 on that. Now, before we, before we run away from David Ortiz, I want you to give me the over-under on 135 games for Ortiz.
3: I'd say over, you know, this is a guy who's played over 135 games um, four of the last five seasons, obviously in 2012 when he got hurt, um, multiple injuries, but, uh, you know, I think he's over 135, you know, this is a guy yeah DHing, not too much stress on him, obviously playing maybe a little bit of first in interleague play, but I'd say over.
2: Yeah, I don't see why not. He's a pretty pretty durable guy, and yet, yeah, like you said, he has played over 135 and, and uh, last, four of the last five, five, actually five out of the last six years, every year, but 2012 where he played 90, so I don't see any reason for that to change, so I agree with over on that. Okay, moving on, we'll go to a pitcher now, I got Clay Buchholz for you, and I want your over-under on 23 starts for Clay.
3: I would say under you know this is just the guy I have come not to be able to count on you know i I love him when he's doing good but uh, you know even when he's doing good he's getting injured whether it be the neck the finger you know it just seems like always oh, something with clay buckholtz and especially if this team is doing poor down the stretch this guy's not gonna want to be on the mound I'd say uh, under twenty three
2: all right I All I'm gonna say over i I I can see where you're coming from, and looking at his numbers here, he kind of does every other thing. He had 28 starts in 2010, and then he had 14 in 2011, and then 29 in 2012, 16 in 2013, and 28 and 14. So if if uh, things go as planned, it will be somewhere in the, the teens again. But I think I think he'll finally figure out how to stay healthy, and I think he'll start more games. I think he's I think he's got 27 or 26 or 27 starts in him. So I'm gonna go over on that. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, it would be it would be the best. Um, so for Buckholz, in terms of ERA, over under three point twenty. What do you say?
3: Uh, I'd have to say over, um, you know, that that's a, setting the bar pretty low for Buck Holt. You know, he's really only dipped below that maybe two of his years, uh, three actually, you know, obviously not starting uh, 25 or so games in those years. But, um, you know, I've got to think if he's going to be out there with 23 starts, his ERA is going to be up there. You know, he's just not the guy I look at. He doesn't keep the ball on the ground. He's a, You know, he gives up a lot of home runs, gives up a lot of runs, gives up a lot of walks. You know, like I said, he's not a durable guy. He's going to be going against Toronto. He's going to be going against New York's lineup. going to be there. I just don't see where you're coming up with that number, so I'd have to go with over.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I pick over as well. His career, career ERA is 3.92. It's He had the one year in 2013 with the 174 ERA and, and just 16 starts. But if he is going to pitch, like, almost or a full season, like, I hope he does, I I don't see his R.I. being under that. I hope it would be under four, but I think 320 would be pushing it a little bit too far. So I'm going to go over on that one as well and agree with you there. All right, moving on to our next guy. I think i got a really interesting one for you here. We're going to go with Jackie Bradley Jr. And I want you to give me the over-under on if he is going to play 30 games in the majors.
3: I would say under because you know I look at the Red Sox team right now and I look at the depth chart. Uh, you know Betts, Craig. Um, I'd even put Holt, Bents. Uh, you know Nava. You know these are all outfielders who are ahead of Bra- uh, Jack Bradley Jr. in the depth chart. So you know I don't really see where he's going to get much action at the major league level. I could be wrong. I I'm not seeing. I obviously can't see injuries at this point, but. I would say Bradley Junior spends ninety nine percent of his season down in Triple A.
2: Yep, totally agree with you. I don't. There's so much we have so much outfield depth, and like you said, there could be injuries. We don't know, but I mean, I don't. I see him being in the minors or or going to a different team. I was saying thirty games in the majors, which obviously you got with with the Red Sox, not with with anybody, because obviously they could. Get rid of him, but I think he'll spend a lot of time in the in the minors, and maybe he'll play 15 or 20 games if people get injured or they give him a chance or whatever. But I don't see I don't see more than 30, so I'm going under on that as well. And my other my other number for for Jackie Bradley Jr. for you, over under one home run.
3: <laughs> ah. I would have to go with under you know like I said earlier if this is for the major leagues I don't see where he's gonna get much playing time you know this is he's been a disappointment you know he was the 40th overall pick in the uh, amateur draft in 2011 you know the Sox had such high hopes for this guy really hasn't panned out his defense has been there but if you just offer defense to the table uh, you know, there's just not two spots in the lineup. We got Vasquez for that. So, you know, I'd have to say under.
2: I'm going to go even on this because I think maybe if he plays, like, 15 or 20 games, maybe, maybe he'll crank one out. I'm not I'm not sold on that, but no more than one home run because he's not a power hitter and he probably won't play much. So that was kind of a fun little add-in just, just to talk about and banter about because – Clearly, he's probably not going to have a whole lot of impact on the team this year, but it's still fun to talk about. So that's Jackie Bradley Jr. for you. Now we'll move to a pitcher. We got Joe Kelly for you. Over or under 12 wins for Joe Kelly.
3: Over, I love this guy. You know, this I look at him and he's just like a competitor. You know, he's an Irishman. He's fit it's right in with the Red Sox. Uh, you know, last year, you know, he was one of the guys who wasn't giving up. You know, he pitched to a, I think it was a high three R a maybe or middle three. I don't have that number up in front of me, but um, I think this guy's gonna be really good. I think he's gonna pitch his way into a th- two or three. I think he's gonna be that good. I'm looking for a big year out of Joe Kelly. I'm saying 17 wins. Wow.
2: All right. 17. That hey, that's cool. I mean, his career high is, is uh, 10. So that'd be quite quite a jump for him. He has 21 wins in his career. His career ERA is 3.41, which is pretty solid. So I think you're definitely shooting high there. I'm not quite a sold on him. I'm going to go with under, and I'm going to say 11 wins, which I think is still respectable. It's Still pretty good for a number three star. It's, it would still be his career high. So I'm not quite as soul on him. I I would love to see that. I would love to see 17 wins. That would be so huge. And then you would have a pretty pretty solid pitcher for a, a 26-year-old. So I he's one of the most intriguing guys for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to him. But we'll disagree on that. You're going 17. I'm going 11. So my next question about Joe Kelly is over under 150 innings.
3: Uh, You know, the innings is touchy, you know, injuries and obviously that, but I am saying I'm going to go with over, you know. I know he's never in his career came close to that, but, uh, you know, I think this guy... Uh, you know, shoulder injury aside, I think his shoulder's fine. I, You know, I think he's going to go over that. I think he's going to stay relative healthy this season. You know, when he was, uh, uh, starts, I see him skipping. Uh, you know, when he needs an extra day of rest, maybe getting pushed back. But the, other than that, you know, I think this kid's going to rear back, and I think this kid's going to have a hell of a season. You know, the potential's there. He was a high draft pick. You know, he, he put it all together in 2013, you know, uh, middle of the pack two ERA, you know, That was his best season ever. So I think this kid's going to have a phenomenal year. And like I said, I think he – my over number for him is I think he's going to go 17-8. and And I think his ERA is going to be 3.15 with approximately 204 innings pitched. Those are my stats for that guy. Wow.
2: All right. Glad I asked you about him. I'm going to go over as well. I think think he'll get over 150. His career high is 124 so he hasn't gotten too 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 close to that but not not too far away so i think he'll probably get like 160 is my guess so i'm definitely undershooting him a little bit but still career highs and stuff you're going you're going big time for joe kelly so i like the disagreement on that and i'm I will definitely come back to that in the future and see what he ended up doing because it could be a big could be a big year for joe kelly we both think it will be a big year just difference on how big now let's, let's move to one of my most intriguing offensive players. Let's talk a little Dustin Pedroia. And I want your over-under on 90 RBI for Dustin.
3: I'd say a little under 90 RBIs. I think he's going to be inserted back in that two-hole, you know. I just look at him as a guy that's just going to get on base for the meat of that order. So uh, I'd say under 90 RBIs.
2: All right, I'm going to go over on this. I'm, I'm thinking somewhere like 95. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think he'll finally be healthy. And even though he'll probably be hitting two, I think he'll have a lot of opportunities with guys on base, and I think he'll drive a lot of them. In. so I'm I'm looking for 95 for him for this year. My next stat for you for Pedroia is over under 320 batting average.
3: I would say a little under 320. I'm expecting a big year out of Pedroia as well. Career 299 hitter. I'd say he's gonna hit around roughly around 310, 315, but you know in the ballpark of 320.
2: Yeah, I'm right with you on that. I was, I was also thinking about 310. So I'll go a little under too. But if he gets 310 and has 95 RBI, <laughs> I'm gonna be a happy guy because that's that'd be a great season. I'm gonna give, I'm to give one extra here on Pedroia just because I love Pedroia. I'm gonna give you one extra over under, over under two errors.
3: I would say even at two hours, you know, this guy's a phenomenal fielder, you know, multi-time gold glove award winner, I think he's the best second baseman in baseball, people will disagree with me, I'd take Altuve, uh, slightly under him, I don't think Cano's even mixed with those two, but we'll get to that another day, but, I, uh, you know, Pedroia, I would say um, even at two hours, that's what I'd go with.
2: Alright, I'm going to go under, I'm going to say one, I think he's going to have a fantastic year as he always does, and... It's always risky at second base because occasionally things happen where you don't have a lot of control over the error that happens. So that could always be anything, but I'm going to go with one. I'm going to be bold and say one. Big year for Pedroia. I'm looking forward to it. Now my next one here, going to another pitcher, this one is definitely a toss-up, and I'm very excited to see what you say about this. We're going to head to Koji Uehara, and I want to hear your over-under for 25 saves for Koji.
3: Oof, that's that, this is an interesting one. You know, <laughs> Yui has been really tough to gauge as of late. You know, obviously it was phenomenal during the World Series run. Um, yeah, 25 saves, I would have to say I'm going to go with over. I think Koji's going to regain his form. Uh, you know, we obviously know he's just not that bad of a pitcher he was showing last year. You know, I do think he's on a tight rope. Uh, I think Mujica's waiting in the wings. Uh, Mujica finished the season strong, and uh, but I'm gonna go over. I think he's gonna regain his form. All
2: right, fair enough. I'm gonna go even actually. I think he will get about exactly 25. I think that's a pretty a pretty safe bet for him. Um, he doesn't seem to get as many save opportunities as some other pitchers for some reason, but so I don't think it's gonna be like a ton. I don't think he's gonna go like 35 or 40 or anything. So I think I think 25 is a safe bet. I like I like that for him. My other stat for you for Koji over under two point zero zero ERA.
3: Oof, I'd say I'd say he's over just slightly. Uh, you know that's setting the bar um, pretty low for this guy. He, he, you know, he's not he's not a spring chicken. Uh, he's Thirty-nine years old, um, he's getting up there in his career. You know, we've seen his ERA go up a little bit last year, but um, you know, I'm gonna say slightly over two ERA, but I'm gonna say he has a phenomenal year.
2: Well, yeah, if he gets 25 saves and and just under under two, that was, that's definitely a phenomenal year. I'm gonna go under actually. I'm gonna say about 180 or so. I think that he's gonna have a real good year. I think this guy just seems to defy age, and I think he'll be looking to kind of get some revenge from the, the rough the rough period he had at the end of last year. I think he'll be strong. I think he'll be healthy. He'll be rested. So I'm looking at twenty-five saves and a one eighty ERA for coaching. Now my next one here is Hanley Ramirez. We're gonna start in the field. I want you to over, under thirteen errors for Hanley Ramirez.
3: Oh, I'd say under 13 errors. You know, it's going to be pretty tough to make 13 errors in left field. You know, the Green Monster can cause a lot of havoc for outfielders. We've seen it with Manny. We've seen it with Jason Bay. But um, I'd say under 13 errors. There's no way this guy's going to be that bad in the outfield. If not, he's going to be moved somewhere else because the Sox can quite frankly cannot afford 13 errors at the, from the left field position.
2: Yeah, they really can't. I know I went a little a little high with that in my my original thing. I was I know he has a lot of errors for his career. at – in the infield, and it is it is more difficult to get outfield errors. But I agree with under. But I think he'll probably have like nine or ten. I I'm not sold on his on his fielding yet. Um, he's never played left field before, so he might have a rough start. Definitely 13 is high, but I wouldn't be surprised with nine or ten. And they may need to switch his position. I mean, maybe somewhere better than left field. But that was that one's definitely intriguing for me to see to see how many errors he does get out there. And then in the offense. Offensive side for Hanley Ramirez over or under twenty home runs.
3: I'd say over. Um, you know the Fenway is a relatively small park. You know I think he's going to poke a lot of balls out to right field. You know I think he's going to take advantage of that green monster. He's going to have a lot of doubles. He's going to have a lot of home runs in my opinion. For home run wise for Hanley, I'd say you know he's going to give us around what Cespedes gave us. I think he's going to hit right around twenty seven home runs, and uh, you know he's going to drive in a hundred plus RBIs in my opinion.
2: All right, fair enough. Big year from Hanley Ramirez. I'm gonna go under. and to say 17. So a lot of errors, decent amount of home runs. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> <Andy>. <laughs> but I would love it if he had 27 and 100. That would be gorgeous. That'd be that'd be a lot from him, which would really make that that uh, contract they gave him much more worth it. So we'll see what happens with that. We got a couple more minutes here. I'm gonna I'm gonna shorten this this. Uh, over, under, block, and just do one category for a couple of guys. Kind of do like a little little speed round here in the last minute or two. So, Rick Porcello, over, under, 17 wins.
3: Under, 15.
2: 15, okay. I'm going to go under and say 14. Xander Bogarts, over, under, 310 average.
3: Under, 300. Okay, I'm
2: going to say big air for Xander, over, 315.
0: Woo. <laughs>
2: we'll see. Junichi Tozawa, over under 70 games? I'd say over. Yeah, he's been right over. He's been at 71 the last two years. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say 63. I think he's going to get a little less work this year and not get so tired out. Here's a big one. Alan Craig, 45 games, over under?
3: I'd say over. I think uh, Victorino's going to get hurt, so I I'd say over maybe in the 100s. All right, I'm going to say over
2: two. I'm not going to say that high. I'm going to say 65. I don't have a lot of faith in Alan Craig yet. Justin Masterson, over under eight wins. I'd say even. Even eight. Fair enough. I'm going to say over 10.
3: Pablo Sandoval, over under 12 errors. I'm going to go even again with Sandoval. Uh, You know, he's a pretty good third baseman, and I think 12 errors is pretty good at third base, in my opinion.
2: All right, fair enough. I'm going to go...
0: Under, I'm going to say nine. Hi, this is Sean Backey from CLNS Radio and the Evening Score Sports Podcast. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, or even find a new job or improve upon the current job skills in 2015, Lynda.com has something for everyone. Now, if you sign up today for the free 10-day trial by visiting Lynda.com slash CLNS, You'll get the benefits of unlimited access to every course on lynda.com. You'll also get access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone and Android mobile devices, as well as access to new courses added every week. Some of the courses that were recommended for me uh, include Analyzing Your Website to Improve SEO, Viral Marketing, uh, and Web Analytics Fundamentals do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for the free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash CLNS. Go ahead, I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Alright,
2: that wraps up our show here. Thanks Nate for for joining me again. This is another great show on Red Sox Beat. That was a lot of fun. So make sure you go to CLNS Radio and check out the Garden Report. Jared Weiss for for all the Celtics news after all the home games interviews locker room information so i want to thank you guys again for listening to red sox beat on clns radio and i hope you have a wonderful week